Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Becca Bruner. Well, I've got good news and I've got bad news as we've got started. Uh, Bad news first. You guys are really, really bad at talking to each other for just one minute. You're really bad at it. But the good news is you're really bad at just talking to each other for just one minute. That's actually a very, very good thing. Uh, But we're going to keep going. I want to start out uh, before I jump into the message today just with a word of deep, deep thanks. Uh, Those of you who were here with us last week, you know that I was going to be here and then I wasn't because early, early in the morning on Saturday, my dad passed away. And uh, through the process of being with my sister and my mom on FaceTime, I just realized it's good, but it's not good enough. And so I needed to go. And so was uh, just graciously supported and given that encouragement to, to leave on Sunday morning and not be with you here in person uh, but certainly it was with you in spirit. And I truly, from the bottom of my heart, I want to say, say thank you to Jonathan, who through this process, which it's been a process for this last year particularly, has supported me and encouraged me and prayed for me. And last week just said, yep, go, I got it. And he truly did. Um, if you didn't hear the message from last week, um, it's just so moving, uh, the words that God put on his heart of how we follow Jesus together in times of grief and suffering, which we all have. Um, So I'm very, very thankful to Jonathan. I'm thankful uh, to our staff uh, who I I heard through the grapevine, many of them uh, shielded me from being CC'd on a lot of emails uh, this week, just said she doesn't have to be on that one uh, this week. And so I didn't come back to an overflowing inbox with church business. Uh, But I'm thankful to all of you who did overflow my inbox, many of you, the physical inbox and my digital one with so many uh, kind words and cards and emails and messages of support and encouragement. That has just meant so much. It's, it's one of those things you don't know how much it means until you're experiencing it. And it's like, even just that one little note, it means so much. Um, so thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your encouragement and your support and your love in this last week. Um, you know, we are grieving. Uh, my mom and my sister back in Oregon and, and my family here will get to go back. His service uh, is, uh, will be on October 9th, um, so we'll be out in Oregon for a week for that, all of us. Um, but we are deeply, deeply thankful for this community of faith, for our family of faith in Oregon, um, and all who have just surrounded us with love in this time. We're very thankful. Um, and we did change things up because of the, the change of last week. Jonathan uh, threw in a, an extra message into this introductory series we're doing for this year, talking about following Jesus together. Uh, two weeks ago, uh, we got it started with a pretty bold claim. And we said that we believe that Paoli Presbyterian Church exists because we believe that there is no problem in human life that following Jesus cannot solve. And we said that we follow Jesus into solving those problems by ending relational poverty, by inviting everyone into transforming relationship with God through Jesus Christ and authentic relationship with one another. And so what that leads us to is we follow Jesus together. That's what we're gonna do all year long. We're gonna follow Jesus 
together. Every sermon series you hear preached this year is going to center around following Jesus together. And last week, we, or two weeks ago, we talked about that first part, about uh, that invitation to consider Jesus or to commit to following Jesus. Or if you're already a follower of Jesus, to come alongside maybe somebody who needs that presence of Jesus in their life. So last week was all about following Jesus. There were two weeks ago. I'm going to say that a lot. Uh, but this week, it's all about together. Following Jesus together. For the reality is, there is no following Jesus without the together. Nobody follows Jesus alone. Paul's pretty clear on that in his second letter to the church at Corinth. We read this passage two weeks ago, and we're going to look at it again today. And today, we do actually have copies of the message. That's what we're going to be reading it from, and we're going to be using that Bible for this next series this fall. So if you don't yet have one, please, please grab one, or you can pull it up on your phone if you use the Bible app. But uh, this is your opportunity if you've ever wanted, I don't know who wants to do this, but maybe if you've ever wanted to steal from church, like you can. I am giving you permission. We're saying, sure, you know, suggested donation, $10 a Bible, but I am telling you, if you're going to read it, just take it. That's our gift or your theft, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, to you. But please take one, um, and we're going to be using that, that, that Bible for this coming series. So bring it with you each week as we look at God's Word together. Uh, today, using the message, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 14. Paul writes, Our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life emerges. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering the forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend to you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. So as I said last week, we, we talked about that, the importance, the, the transforming power of following Jesus. And to that end, Paul, that's what Paul, why Paul writes, anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new, the old is gone, the new life emerges. That is the foundation of our faith. We are made new in Christ when we say yes to following Jesus. But it doesn't end there. 
Because Paul immediately goes on. He says, all of this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then, and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. We follow Jesus together. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and as we do, we're going to focus on three things about it, three aspects of following Jesus together. We're going to talk about how following Jesus together is necessary, how following Jesus together is hard, and how following Jesus together is very, very good. So first, following Jesus together, it's, it's necessary Christ-centered community, faith-filled relationships, whatever you want to call them, they're necessary. We cannot live the Christian life without them. Just look, the very first few pages of the Bible, something really interesting happens as you read the creation story. Chapter 1 is this beautiful poem of creation where you see these same words repeated over and over again. God creates this and it is good. God creates land, and it is good. Creates animals, and it is good. God creates humankind, and it is very good. Over and over again, it is good, it is good, it is good. And then in chapter 2, that creation narrative, God creates, and then it's almost like if you're reading it closely, there's this like record scratch moment where God says, it is not good. And what does God say it's not good about? God says it is not good that man should be alone. Think about this for a second. Again, in the biblical narrative, this is before sin had ever entered the picture. Everything's perfect. Everything is, is God-filled, God-ordained, the way God wanted it to be, created by God's own hand, God's own voice. God created it, and all of a sudden, it's not good. From the very, very beginning, God's intention for humankind is he says it's not good when we're alone. We need community. All of us, Christians and non-Christians alike, we were made to be in relationship with other people, but especially those of us who would call ourselves, consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus Christ. We cannot do it alone. A little Bible New Testament grammar lesson. Uh, anybody like me and, and Jonathan and Dave who went through seminary, one of the classes we had to take was uh, Greek to be able to read the New Testament in its original language. And, and I don't know about them, but I learned it and I forgot it immediately. But uh, a few things stuck. And if you uh, were to learn and remember your Greek from your biblical New Testament class, you would see that when you read the New Testament, you know, a, a fair bit of it has instructions, right? It gives instructions, guidelines, encouragement for how we are to live the Christian life. That's there. And we read that in English, and it's easy to miss when you read in English, uh, but you see it clear as day in Greek. Almost all, if not all, I, I would have to go through and, and really look closely, but I would say Gosh, 95% of any of those encouragements, instructions, guidelines for how to live the Christian life, they are not written to, to you, singular. They're written, you can see in the Greek, they're written to you, plural. It's really, really clear. You all do this. You all love one another. You all encourage one another. You all, y'all. 
Or like out here, it's yous, right? Or, and then where Maddie's from, it's yins. You know, like we all have our words for it, right? But however you say it, these commands for how do we, we're supposed to live as Christians in the world, they're meant to be followed by community. They're meant to be done by all of us together. Nobody follows Jesus by themselves. We follow Jesus together. So following Jesus together, it's, it's necessary. Huh? But that doesn't mean it's easy, right? Right? Anybody part of a family? Yeah, a few of us, yeah. Anybody say that their family's really easy all the time? No, it's not. It's not easy in our natural families. It's not easy in our God-gifted family. Following Jesus together is hard. So to illustrate this, just going back to a couple weeks ago, we, we talked a couple weeks ago about the, the, that story, that Jesus' most famous story he told, the story of the prodigal son, right? That's a familiar story to all of us. We we looked at it, and, and, and through the lens of, of what we talked about two weeks ago, we were looking at that younger son, and we saw how that, that younger son who ran away, he's a, he's a lot like all of us. And we, we, we looked at and we loved, we loved that story of the father who, who saved him, and it's that same father who saves us through his sacrificial love. It's a beautiful story. We love that story, but that's not the whole story. Remember, because when Jesus starts telling the story, he says, there once was a man who had two sons. Two sons. Two of whom were both equally and painfully lost. The younger son, he gets himself lost by running away, and, and he's found, he's brought back home when he returns. And his father, when he comes home, his father's so happy to have him back. He, he runs out, he greets him, he hugs him, and he, he's so happy that his son is home, he throws a party, this huge, epic party. And, and everybody and anybody is there celebrating this returned son back home. Everybody's together, except for that older son. He's out on his own. And he's got a few reasons for that. Some reasons I would dare say you might relate to. I mean, he, he's not in this party, for one, because he's busy, right? He's so very, very busy. Jesus said the party got started while he was out working in the fields. It was when the day's work was done that he came in. So they're partying while he's at work. That's kind of rude, right? They're all together and he is busy and he's coming home now and he's looking to relax. He wants to put his feet up to be done with his duties for the day. And now he's expected to like go in and hang out with people. He's not having it. He can't go into that party. He can't be together with all those people because he is overworked. He is overtired. He is over it. A lot of us could relate, I think. We are busy, busy people. That's what we all say, right? You know, that's like the litany of the American dream, of the American culture. We talk to each other. It's, just, it's a script we all follow where you say, hey, how are you? How's life? Oh, I'm busy. Yeah. How are you? Oh, yeah, so busy. Like, it's the badge of honor that we wear that says, you know, I'm worth something if I'm busy. We pride ourselves on being busy, being on the go. It makes us feel good, but it takes its toll. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Pastor John Mark Comer writes, he says, Corey Ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. 
There's truth in that. Both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and to even your own soul. It's really hard to follow Jesus together when we're so dang busy. We don't have time. Or is it that we don't make time? You know, it's interesting to observe these uh, last couple of years, which I know, like, I refer to things two years ago as if it was like a month ago. I can't really keep track, but here's what I know. I know that a couple years ago, Paoli Presbyterian Church, we had, I would hazard to say, probably two to four official small groups, right? People who got together to, to read scripture, to pray, to share things that are going on in their lives, to really be Christian community together two to four-ish groups, I'm, I'm going to guess. And it wasn't for lack of trying to have more. We wanted to have more. We know that's a good thing, but we would try. We'd say, well, let's form this small group. And by and large, over and over again, the thing we heard back from people is, yeah, that sounds great, but I, I just don't have time. And then came spring 2020 when COVID hit, and everybody just, everything and everybody just stopped. Life stopped. And nobody was busy in spring of 2020. And everybody was alone. We were all isolated, all in our individual homes, and nobody was digging that very much. And we knew that. We could sense that, you know, and as a church. So we said, okay, we need to get people connected. And so we kind of scrambled together and put together this opportunity for Zoom small groups. And by, you know, the time we got those going, we went from having two to four-ish small groups to having I think at least 10 small groups with over 100 people participating in these groups, reading scripture, sharing life, praying together. And even as the pace of life has re-picked back up, I wish I could say in this post-COVID world, it's not post yet, but in this COVID-ish world, as things have gotten more busy, those groups have remained. People have stayed, people have kept meeting together because they've discovered that though life has gotten busy again, Community like that, following Jesus together like that is worth making the time for. Well, busyness isn't the only reason why that older brother stayed away. He had other reasons too, and so do we. You see, when that older brother came home from his long day of work out in the field, he heard the music, he, he you know, wanted to know, what was going on? And so he asked, and one of the servants told him, he said, your, bro- your brother, your younger brother has come, your father ordered a feast, he has him home safe and sound. And hearing this, hearing this, hearing the reason for the party, the older brother stomped off in an angry sulk and refused to go in. So his older brother, it wasn't just that he was busy, he actually outright said no. I don't want to go to that party. He didn't like that they were celebrating his wayward younger brother inside, and so he chose to stay outside. He chose to stay outside because he disagreed with the people inside. You know, following Jesus together can, following Jesus together can be hard because we are different, can't it? We're different. Even in this one little church, we have so many differences. We have different ages and stages of life. We've got, we've got people with different opinions, different preferences, different ways of approaching and going about life. We're different. And, and while different can actually be very, very good, 
when it's kind of left unexamined, left unchecked, a lot of times difference can lead to division. It can lead us to start drawing lines, to start thinking in terms of us and them. So just for example, you know, it's really easy to say, well, we voted for that guy. Can you believe they voted for that guy? I don't know if I want to be in a church with them. Well, we really, really like this kind of music, and they, they like that kind of music. So can we just have a church with this kind of music, and they can have a church with that kind of music? Or we feel so very passionately about this particular issue, and they just don't get it, or... They just won't shut up about that issue. We don't really care anymore. It would just be so much easier if we could just be a part of a church where we all see things the same. And it's not just in the church. We know that, right? The whole human race has ways of dividing us into us and them, into a we who is always right and always good and reasonable and faithful and kind and a them who is not. The reality is it's never that simple. I remember so clearly a day in seminary, I was having a conversation with a friend, and um, I will confess we were talking about someone who uh, some of us considered to be kind of a, a them, and I was doing a little bit more of the talking about how them-y that person really was, how he was somewhat irritating, how he was somewhat opinionated with a lot of opinions I didn't really like. Uh, He was difficult. He was different. He was a them. And after listening to me rant for a while about this very not us other person, my friend very wisely and quite unjudgmentally just said, you know, you know what I think is really great is we are all a them to somebody. (laughs) Oh... But it's true, like, we are all that person to somebody. We are all of them to someone. None of us has any foot to stand on when we start ussing and theming because deep down we're all of them to someone. We're all the same. That's why Paul writes, he says, one man died for everyone. So that puts us all in the same boat. And the God who settled the relationship between us and him, he then called us to settle our relationships with us and them. Here's the Becker revised version of all that. What holds us together is way, way, way stronger than anything that could keep us apart. Friends, what holds us together is way stronger than anything that could keep us apart. Because for what holds us together is nothing less than the sacrificial death of God's Son, Jesus Christ. He died for everyone. He died for me. He died for you. He died for us. He died for them. He died for all of us. Because of Jesus, then there is no more us and them. Because of Jesus, there is only all of us. 
just to cement this here in our brain a little bit for a second, I'm gonna ask you to do something with me. We're gonna have a little participation portion of the sermon today, and it's really easy. So I'm gonna name just a few of our differences that might exist among us, and each time I do, no matter what I say, you have something to say back to me, and it's simply this. We are following Jesus together. I want you to try that with me. We're following Jesus together. Even if you're watching online, I expect you to say it at at home or if you're listening on the podcast later. We're following Jesus together. All right, ready? Friends, no matter if you are old or if you are young, we are following Jesus together. No matter your gender, your sexuality, your nationality, or your ethnicity, we are following Jesus together. No matter who you voted for or which political party you are a part of, we are following Jesus together. No matter what you posted or liked or shared on social media, we're following Jesus together. No matter what kind of music you do or do not like, we're following Jesus together. No matter if you really enjoy it or really, really hate it when the pastor makes you do call and response things. We're following Jesus together, even when it's hard. We're following Jesus together, especially when it's hard. We're following Jesus together. We are following Jesus together because it's necessary. We're following Jesus together when it's hard. And we are following Jesus together because ultimately it is really, really good. It's good. Okay, this didn't work at 7.30, so I'm going to see if it works here. Um, If you know the show Reading Rainbow, can you just show that you're with me here a little bit? Who watched or had kids who watched Reading Rainbow? Thank you, a few. Not alone, thank you. Um, So if you watched Reading Rainbow and you know it, the host, LeVar Burton, uh, would always, you know, he'd review a children's book and he'd tell you all the things that he thought were wonderful about it and then he would always end with this one catchphrase line of his. He says, but you don't have to take my word for it, right? So I know how this thing works, right? I'm up here. I'm the pastor. I'm saying things are good and right, and you should do these things. And you're like, yeah, that's your job. You went to Jesus school. That's all you think about. (sighs) You don't know my life, right? So maybe true. So you don't have to take my word for it. Dave and I have been very blessed to be a part of one of those COVID small groups that got started in spring 2020 and has continued, mostly actually still on Zoom, even to this day. And uh, they've been a wonderful group for us. I got a picture of them uh, we can throw up here when we did get together in person back in the spring. Um, And via Zoom, a few of them got together with me this last week because I asked them to tell you themselves. Uh, what a really good thing it has been to follow Jesus together. So there's going to be a few of them there. You can listen to them tell you. We're the oldest people in the group. Um, Karen and Jeff Heft. Hi, I'm Bill Narcini, and I'm in a small group with my wife, Heather. And um, we love PPC. I'm uh, Will Moreski. I'm in a small group with my wife, Laura, and we also love PPC. Nice, and I didn't pay you to say that at all. 
Um, so I just want to start with Bill and ask you a question kind of on behalf of you and Heather. You guys have been a part of this church for a long time. You've made a lot of different friends over the years, uh, people that you've interacted with, prayed with, raised your kids with, um, been on committees with, all that kind of stuff. You guys have been really active in the church. Um, and in this group, it's been almost completely on Zoom, and it's had a pretty big mixture of kind of people who've also been a part of the church for a long time, but also a fair number who haven't been part of the church, some of whom you didn't even meet before being on this group in Zoom. So just kind of talk about that. Like, what's that been like for you to kind of make these new friendships uh, at the church, develop this kind of new community in this small group? What's, what's that been like for you? Well, I'll blame my wife, Heather, for getting me involved. Um, I throw her under the bus a little bit, but um, I love community. I love the I love the whole thing of small groups. It's been hard with Zoom because you're not together with everybody, but um, it's worked out and having it on Sunday night was great because it didn't interfere with my my work week or all the stresses involved in that. But um, I think it's been, we've gotten to know people we wouldn't, you know, necessarily got that close to. And, and um, we love everybody in our group and I feel like they're just an extended part of our family. Just like other people, I mean, I've been in other groups and I feel the same way. It just, it kind of expands our our family a little bit. Yeah, it really does. So Bill and Heather, you were part of the original squad. We started this group, you know, when COVID hit and everything shut down and we started virtual small groups and you and Heather were some of the originals. Um, Jeff and Karen, you guys jumped in a little later when we started up the Apostles Creed series and we, you guys got to jump in the group midway. Um, so what was that like for you? Was that, were you nervous at all? Did it match what you expected? Was it better than you expected, worse than you expected? But how did, how did that kind of experience work for you? Well, I'll start with the ending. It's better than we expected. But in the beginning, we pulled up to church to pick up our Bible for the study, the message. And Becca came to the window to give us the Bible, and she said, you know, I just had a thought. I think you guys should join small group. And Jeff says, we'd love to. And we pulled away, and I'm like, what the heck? Are you, don't we talk about things before we do that? And I really was nervous about it. I was very, I consider myself a very private person, and I was very nervous I would have to pray in public, and Becca has not made me do that. Um, anyway, Jeff. So I'd say that once we, when we first joined, um, it was Sunday night, you know, there was still a little reluctance. And then um, after we were on a few times, it became uh, on Zoom a couple of times uh, with the meetings, uh, with the small group meetings, it was something we all looked forward to. Um, and one of the hesitant or one of the things that I was worried about was that, like, I wouldn't know as much as everybody else. And uh, that, that it could have been true. It, maybe it was true, maybe it wasn't true, but it didn't matter because we were all there to share and to learn. Um, and uh, like Bill said, we really became uh, a family um, and we shared, uh, there was a lot of things that went on this past year and we drew very close and uh, it's been an amazing, amazing experience. 
And the reason why we're still in is because Becca hasn't asked us to pray out loud. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> well, Will, um, you and Laura got married uh, just about a year ago. Has it, have we hit your anniversary yet? This Sunday. That's oh. exciting. So it was when we were talking, I remember talking about planning your wedding, but then talking again just about your marriage and what you guys wanted. Laura talked to you a lot about her experiences of Christian community and how important that was. Um, but to you, that wasn't something you'd had a lot of experience in before, and you didn't really know what that meant. And so you guys decided to join a small group to kind of figure out what community is all about. Hi, Laura and sweet Olivia. Oh. So tell us about that. What's, I mean, you came in kind of not knowing anything. Um, yeah, I had no idea what, uh, what small group was. I thought, it, uh, I mean, I guess what you would think that would be, would be, uh, you know, people sitting around, around quoting Bible verses and, and all that kind of stuff, which was very intimidating for me because I, that's just not my, my experience. Um, but, you know, what was always interesting is Laura throughout our relationship I always talked about community and it was so like, it was so vibrant and alive when she talked about it. And I just didn't understand that because for me, community was like your friends that you, you know, you know, you know at work or at school or, or whatever, but uh, joining this group of people that uh, are from all different walks of life and all different backgrounds. And some people that have been, you know, doing that kind of thing for years and years and years. And then people like me that have been, you know, never really been a part of that. Like the small group experience for us, especially during COVID, just like that was it. That was our thing that just kept us connected to, you know, reality and to other people and and more importantly to God, because we couldn't necessarily get to to the church to be able to experience it in that same kind of way. And so yeah, it, it started off something that I was super afraid of. And by the end, I was praying out loud, which was not something that I necessarily <laughs> thought that I would ever do. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Uh, I don't know about that. Lauren, have you been able to come join? Do you have anything you'd want to add just to what your experience has been or what your encouragement you might offer anybody? I just really loved the intergenerational part of it, like loving meeting and getting to know people all around and it's really nice to i mean i've been a part of lots of different things um in different churches but it's been really nice to walk in and um see people in person and just know them more intimately and uh, just talk to people throughout the week and it's it's just a really great way to live your life You don't have to take my word for it. It's really good to follow Jesus together. And we want as many of you doing it as possible. So as Jonathan said, small groups are available. They're online. You got a little link on the back of your bulletin there. Um, just get yourself connected. Talk to Dave. He will get you connected to one. We're going to start uh, getting into the Sermon on the Mount uh, next week is going to be our, our teaching. And so we're going to be talking through that uh, really amazing, incredible words of Jesus uh, that we can learn from uh, together in the context of groups. I will close with this. That older brother had one more reason he didn't go in, I think. At least at the very 
beginning of his story. Uh, and really, frankly, it's as simple as that he wasn't invited. Came home from work, saw the party going on, and he just was on the outside because nobody came out to invite him in. Not till his father did. And so for some of us, that's maybe just the reason we haven't done it yet is nobody's invited. Nobody said, hey, come, join my group. Let's follow Jesus together. So if, I just want to say if you're in a group already, if you know this, if you have this experience of being a part of close Christian community, uh, don't take it for granted to say thank you, enjoy it, appreciate it, but also don't let that fill you up so much that you forget to look out and see who's not on the inside. And if you're not, if you kind of feel like you're standing on the edge and, and looking in and say, maybe I want that, but you need that little extra nudge, well, consider yourself invited. At this point in our service, we're going to do something again we haven't been able to do for a long time. We're going to pray, uh, but in the tradition of Paoli Presbyterian Church, which we've done for a long time, we're going to offer some prayer through the laying on of hands. It's just a time uh, Sarah and Steve are going to lead in a quiet song, and you can sit and you can pray, you can sing if you'd like. Uh, but if there's something going on in your life or in the world or in the life of somebody that you love, uh, Jonathan and I and a couple of the elders are just going to be standing on either side here um, to just offer you a time to be prayed for personally. Um, and we'll close that uh, time with the Lord's Prayer altogether. So I'd invite you, if you'd like to receive prayer, to just come to either side of the room while we spend this time together. It's a privilege to join in the work that God is doing. And so it's together that we pray as Jesus taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, as many of you know, my dad uh, was a Presbyterian pastor himself, and uh, he told a story that's come to mind recently. Um, you know, how some churches, you know, they do the, the handshake line after church where everyone comes out and says, thanks for the message, great message, good job. You know, it's really only people who liked what you said that go through the line to shake your hand. <laughs> Other people go around the line, and that's fine too. Uh, and there was one day where he was shaking the hands and he, somebody was going around the line, but within his uh, proximity, he heard them say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is this all that guy ever talks about? <laughs> and though they did not mean that as a compliment, he took it as such. And I take it as our commission for this year to come. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is who we are going to talk about and who we are going to follow together. So as you go into your day and into your week, beloved friends in Christ, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace this day and each day that is to come. Let all God's people say together, amen, amen. amen.